Well, good evening, folks. It's good to see you out here this evening. This nice balmy evening. It's good stuff. Hey, um, it's it's a real joy. I've just caught up with Steve just to give you a little bit of a, a history. I've known Steve a long time. We go back as far as July, and um, <laughs> we met we met. Uh, just in the hallway at the uh, Vineyard New Zealand National Conference in, um, that was in Auckland, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Auckland, yeah, it was in Auckland in July and so I just was standing around there and this bloke came over to me and started having a talk with me and it was Steve and so I got to meet him and hear a little bit about his story and, uh, and so anyway, uh, Steve just, uh, he's over here for some training in his vocation as an underwater cameraman, video cameraman. He'll talk, talk some more about that. But uh, he's over here getting some training. And so he said, can I get a bed nearby? And we said, sure, we can work that out. And uh, we thought it'd be a great chance for him to share a little bit about his God story and also how God's given him a big heart for uh, caring for God's creation, particularly the stuff under the waterline that we don't ever think... Well, even knows there really <laughs> so it'll be really good to hear from steve tonight so um why don't i just pray and invite the holy spirit just to come and be among us and then uh, i'm going to hand over to steve to come and introduce himself a little bit more and and uh, we'll go from there so father we just give you thanks for today incredible day lord you've been at work uh just at work for our well-being and um for the glory of your son jesus in our lives lord where we've seen it we just give you praise and thanks and where we've been unawares of it, but you've still been at work nonetheless, we just give you thanks and praise. And so Holy Spirit, we love you and we welcome you tonight just to come and connect our heart up to what's in the heart of the Father tonight as, um, as we listen to Steve share his story. And we also just pray, because um, it's been a long day for Steve, he got up many hours ago in New Zealand <laughs> and he flew and he's been at school all day and so Lord would you just let the energy of Christ be his tonight and that he just uh, feel encouraged as he shares in Jesus name we pray amen so I'm going to invite Steve on up why don't we welcome Steve Thanks, mate. hey thank you very much and uh, a privilege being here and uh, thank you for all coming out tonight if I'm at all a little bit incoherent at any time, I, I've been awake since about 10 o'clock Australian time. So, um, yeah, so if I'm slurring words, that'll be part of what it's about. So, um, yeah, hey, um, I want to share some of my story tonight. And um, I've also asked Kirk, you know, at the end that he can just ask, you know, a few questions and just... Um, you know, just about some of my background and that. Just, just really quickly, I was brought up in a Christian family. Um, my dad was a pastor. Um, before that, he was actually a science teacher. And when he said he was going to become a pastor when I was 11, I was the only one that responded like this in the family. I actually cried because I, I loved when he did experiments on rats and, you know, made little volcanoes that things blew up. And, you know, for a young boy, that was pretty awesome, you know, and... Um, but very godly man and, and a wonderful mother. So I've been really fortunate with my upbringing. And one, one of the things that I honour my dad about, he died probably about 13 years ago, is um, every year we used to go on holidays at different beaches around the coast. 
And I remember one particular year we went to the west coast of Auckland. There was a beach called Piha, quite a notorious beach. Big swells come in there. And um, it must have been bad weather or something. As the science teacher come out on him, he gave us all little projects. And mine was periwinkles, these tiny little shellfish that can be six metres above the surf line. And we had to do studies in our, in our um, holidays. What, what family does that? That's just weird. So anyway, he's instilled a passion for, you know, for nature and me. And I just want to honour him about that. So, hey, this is, this is what I get to do. Um, I'm really, really fortunate. I actually get paid to do this. And, um, you know, that's a, my camera is inside a housing there in New Zealand. So I love the diving in New Zealand. It's absolutely fantastic. And I'm, I'm here on a camera course at the moment. I've got a very technical camera and I want to learn more about it. When Kirk came over to um, New Zealand, I've never seen anybody do this before, actually. He got up and his first slides, he ran through a whole lot of slides about his family, and like half his sermon was on his family. It was fantastic. I just, it was pretty, pretty cool. I'm not going to do half the sermon on my family, but I, um, with Kirksley, this is my family. So my gorgeous wife in blue there, and um, my eldest daughter in black. She's 19, her second year at university. She lives away from home. My daughter Riley in the stripe. Um, you'll hear a little bit about her, some stuff that we do together. She's 15. Um, my little Tara in the checkered shirt, he's seven, Lucas, um, and Dylan in black there, so he's 13. So, um, wonderful family. Hey, I want to take you into my world, some of what I do, and some of the motivation behind what I do, and give you a few stories as well. Um, I, just before I arrived here, um, actually, I'm, I'm going to carry on, I'll, I'll get to that story in a minute. Um, this is earlier this year in Tahiti. And um, I was in my happy place. You know, this is so cool. You know, six days of uh, filming hundreds of sharks. It was insane. Actually, after six days, I got really bored. I wanted to go back to New Zealand because it was beautiful. It was warm. It was blue water. Lots of sharks. But, like, I just love New Zealand, like, moving seaweed and big fish and stuff like that. So I just couldn't wait to get back. But, you know, it was very, very nice diving in that. Another job I did here... This is pretty random. Um, this is in Fiji last year. And, um, you know, some guy just contacted me, said, hey, I'm doing this shark finning campaign. I just want you to film behind the scenes. The guy's name was Ben Von Wong. And um, he flew me over there. I, I just volunteered and helped him. And um, this is what he does. How is that? Um, and this is an Aussie girl, her name's Amber Burke, she's the Australian freediving champion and um, she's actually tied to the bottom there and she is holding her breath, she's got no goggles on and was, this is just before the Aussie freediving nationals, like after she had done this I thought mate this girl's so mentally tough she's going to smash it, you know, she's just, and she won it. So what was happening was there was a, a safety diver, somebody that had um, compressed air and after she'd held her breath for about a minute, she'd go, and he'd put it in her mouth. She'd breathe away and relax for a little bit. And then she'd still tie it on the bottom, and someone's chumming in sharks behind her. I've got footage of sharks going in and feeding behind her head, and she's getting slapped in the head with these shark tails. It's like, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, very, very cool. And uh, that went viral, that campaign. And the, the idea was, um, Ben Von Wong's idea was, that he wanted to give people a picture that they'd never seen before, that people that maybe have never thought about shark finning in their life, he might just stop them for a second and get them thinking about it in a very different way. And I just thought, 
Um, I was talking to him again this week, and he does some really cool environmental campaigns. He's not a Christian guy, but it's like just really creative, the way he just thinks left field and just tries to get people's attention on social media. You know, this is another job earlier this year. Oh, you can't see that that well, but that's a nice big Marco shark. And um, it, it was pretty cool. This is what it was doing. So it was getting fed in front of me. And the first time that it did this, it grabbed some meat in front of me, then it went down, and I swam down after it. Then it turned around, and then it came towards me. I'm filming it in slow-mo, and it's going... It was like, whoa, it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Come right up and, you know, literally touched my camera and just sat there and just turned around and just looked at me. It was like, it was pretty amazing. Um, now, this is something I've done a lot more of this than what I have with sharks. And this is the uh, message I got just before I arrived um, here was, um, in New Zealand, we're really fortunate we get orca that hang around the coast. Um, I live in a beautiful bay called Snails Beach, an hour north um, of Auckland. And in our area, there was, there's been orca around the last couple of days. And uh, my friend said um, that one of his friends was just at a wharf. They're, they've got some friendly stingrays there that they can hand feed. They're feeding these stingrays, and all of a sudden this orca just turned up and just grabbed in front of them and ate it in front of them. It was like, yeah. So, um, so this is... <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm filming them there. I've been really, really fortunate. And this is how I got my first break as a cameraman, was um, filming for a lady called Dr. Ingrid Visser, um, who studies orca in New Zealand. And um, in, in New Zealand, they come into the shallow bays to, to feed on rays. And what will happen is an orca will normally swim upside down, come along, will pick up a ray off the bottom, then turn around, and what it's gone and done, it's gone and turned the ray upside down and it puts it into a state of tonic immobility. So pretty much it puts it to sleep, like some people do with sharks. You know, you see people turning, you know, I've got a friend that can turn tiger sharks upside down and he's got these 13 or 14 foot tiger sharks on his hand kind of thing. And it's like similar with stingrays that the orca have discovered that they can turn them upside down, they don't put up a fight. And then what happens is uh, it will hold on to it in its mouth and another one will sidle alongside and grab it and tear it in half, rip it in half, and normally they just eat the liver. Sometimes they eat the whole ray. So this particular day, we followed them from the Bay of Islands um, for a couple of hours. And this is after, uh, after dusk. I followed these three orca into this narrow gutter, probably about this long and about from here to the chairs wide. They swam into this gutter, a couple of orca. I followed them in. They grabbed a ray, turned around, they tore it in half in front of me and they dropped these two pieces at my feet. And it was like the sun had already gone down. My friend took a photo of me and it was like, then they just took off and I was like, wow, what an experience. You know, pretty, pretty special. Um, yeah, people ask me, have I ever been scared of orca? And it's like, I've, I've never had anything that I felt threatened, um, but I did get a fright one day that I was, as a camera person, when you're filming an animal underwater, quite often an HD um, camera will have better eyesight than what I have. So it will film an animal that's beyond my eyesight and will pick it up for a little bit more. So what you'll normally do is you'll hold shot for at least an extra three seconds longer than what you think, so the editor can play with it and, and do some editing, and, and um, the, so they've got something to play with. This particular day, we had a, a, a nice pot of orca swimming around the back of the island that's in front of our house, and I was 99.9% .9 sure that all the orca had gone past, 
and I'm, you know, being the studious, uh, you know, with the sensible cameraman, I should say, and as his orca swim off into the distance, I was blissfully unaware that the largest orca in the pod was playing behind my fins. Everybody in the boat was laughing at me. And here I am filming these orca. They'd gone off into the distance, and all of a sudden I've got this eye right here, and I was like, whoa, shoot! It's like, <laughs> and it just swam right up to me, and it was like, for, for me as a cameraman, one of the things I love, like, obviously that experience, you know, it's amazing. Like I've had lots of lots of high moments that I was like, oh my goodness, God, that is just beyond what I could have ever dreamed about. Um, this particular day, like I, I love getting home and watching the footage and like literally my heart went from here up to here. It was like, I did freak out. It was like somebody jumped behind a, you know, and one of the kids jumps out from a wall or something, you know, when you're in the dark, it's like, Wah! you know, you get a bit of a fright. It was kind of like that. And when I got home and looked at the footage, I was expecting it to go like this because I really did freak out and it's actually really seamless. It just goes, it was like just totally smooth. It's like, mate, that wasn't me, just total fluke. So, uh, hey, when I was a little kid, there was just something about the ocean that I've, I couldn't explain. You know, I just remember nagging my grandmother, you know, just take me fishing, please, take me fishing, you know, and, and it was, it was all, always about that. That's my first set of fins that I ever got. And I remember the first time I went snorkeling on the east coast of Northland in New Zealand in clear water and putting my head underneath that surface and just seeing the seaweed going backwards and forwards and seeing these schools of fish swimming around and that, that was me forever, you know. It was just like, just so phenomenal. And, um, you know, when I was little, I just remember reading stories about people that would have these adventures a long way off the coast. There's a guy called Zane Gray that, um, that put New Zealand on the international game fishing map. And he caught marlin up at the Bay of Islands and sharks and stuff like that. And as a little kid that was just so passionate about fishing, you know, he just took me, you know, took me into this different world that I'd never, ever experienced. And he took me to a place that I just dream about these amazing adventures, just so far beyond what I could ever imagine or what I ever thought I was, well, I could do. And I just remember thinking, man, that guy's the luckiest guy on the planet. And there's just something about that little spark that that guy put into me when I was a kid that was like throwing fuel on the fire for someone that already loved the ocean. I got very seriously into spearfishing and, um, you know, including going for a giant bluefin tuna off the west coast of New Zealand. And um, another thing happened probably about 20, 20 odd years ago, I was involved with a locally made TV show, it was through a Christian TV station called Fa um, Family Television Network. And they had this um, show called um, Ocean File, and there's about five presenters on it. You know, one of my friends did the surfing, fishing, um, and I did the diving. And something happened to me when I was part of that show, it just showed me the power of um, putting stories on TV and, and trying to use creative stories to, you know, get a message across to people. And it, something inside me happened. I thought, man, one day I want to have my own TV show. And I was just saying to Kirk over dinner that um, about nine years ago, um, we sold up our house and we went and worked voluntary over in um, California for a year at a vineyard church um, with Bobby DeLancelotti, who Kirk knows. And um, we were there for a year. And when we got back, we had some money in the bank. And I said to my wife, do you mind if I take a risk and chase this dream that I've had? It's just been gnawing away at me about wanting to have my own TV show. I had no clue at all about what I was doing. I had no skills as a cameraman. It was just absolutely mental when I think about it, you know, just nuts. 
Um, and I, I quickly started bleeding money really quick. You know, my idea of a TV show was it was going to be Steve Spearfishing Adventures and my friends were going to film it. And I quickly realised, you know, really quick that my friends were hopeless underwater cameramen and it was costing me a lot of money. And so, out of necessity, I started filming. And I was saying to Kirk, this, um, something happened in the first year or so when I was filming, in the first two years when I was filming. I spent thousands of hours in the water and something happened to me when I was just seeing stuff that was so beautiful that I'd never seen before, that inside my mask there was times that I'd have tears in my mask, you know, and I'm just thinking, flipping heck, I'm meant to be a tough Kiwi male, you know. It's like, what the, I'm not meant to have the soft side to me, and it really confused me for about six months. I couldn't find the language to articulate what was going on inside my heart. And I remember... Um, reading about six months later a quote from Eric Liddell from Chariots of Fire. And he said, I feel the pleasure of God when I run fast. And it just hit me here. It's like, wow, that gave me the language to describe what was going on, on inside of me. The background I come from, my dad was a pastor. I got saved when I was about 16. And um, I felt really close to God in worship. When, when I become a Christian when I was 16, I remember um, I felt this weight come off me and I went outside and I stood on a tower with this beautiful starry night and for the first time in my life is I literally felt the love of the Father, you know. And it just had such an impact on me. And so, you know, spending time in worship, I would feel his presence, but I still had this... um, kind of relationship with God, I thought that he was picking on, or not picking on me, I just thought um, he was always a bit upset at me, that I was, you know, always doing things wrong and stuff like that, you know, and so I absolutely could come to him with confidence, but other times I'd feel so down, and, and it's like, man, I'm a million miles away from God, you know, and um, and just, I used to feel guilty about loving the ocean so much, you know, I remember saying to my dad a couple of times, I was like, dad, I... I know, like, I'm a pretty wholehearted person when I get into things, you know, just um, when I was a uh, 17-year-old Christian, I remember going to a youth camp and I wanted to see one of my mates get saved, and the surf was cranking, and I spent the whole time in the surf and I spent no time with my mate, you know, and I felt really convicted at one of our evening meetings, as I... I'm giving up surfing, man, this is just wrong. I snapped the fins off my board and, you know, and I was kind of like, you know, I was pretty wholehearted about that kind of stuff, and and... Um, I was kind of so drawn to the ocean but running away from it. I remember shifting to Snell's Beach, which is paradise. It's just We just live in paradise where we are. And I remember turning up and I literally said to God, it's like, you've got no idea what I'm like. Um, the irony of saying to God, you've got no idea what I'm like. You know, it's like, I'm going to forget all about you here. You know, it's like I was heavily into spearfishing and surfing and stuff like that. And this revelation that came, um, I feel the pleasure of God when I'm filming. And it's given me so much liberty in what I'm doing that I don't feel guilty about it. I actually think this is part of my calling in life, you know. Um, I just want to share just a little bit of footage that I've shot around New Zealand um, and just share a few more stories about what, um, some of the things that I'm doing and, and then I'll get Kirk up here. Yeah, I, I love the underwater world, you know, it's just, and I just love it more and more, you know, I just think it's so special. And um, something that happened 
um, about three years ago. This is my daughter, Riley. And um, we, we've done a, a kid's show in New Zealand called Young Ocean Explorers. And they're just five-minute episodes. We've done 20 episodes so far. We've done, uh, last year, we did three on the Great Barrier Reef at Lizard Island. Um, we did three uh, in the Cook Islands. Um, and uh, I've taken it to the Kermitic Islands, which is halfway to Tonga. It's New Zealand's most remote uh, and northernmost territory. Um, and I'll tell you a little story about that. Um, and I just want to share a little bit of that story about what happened here, you know. Just uh, some of the episodes were done, you know, we've done them on... Uh, crayfish, you know, normally in nature documentaries they say no animals were harmed in the making of this documentary. That's the only animal that was harmed in the making of this documentary. It was very tasty. Um, <laughs> and uh, we did humpback whales that you guys are more than familiar with here. It's a wonderful story about the population of humpback whales on eastern Australia. I think they're going up like 11% a year, which is just phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. Um, on eagle rays, you know, um, these are the animals that the orca will come in and grab in the shallows. And quite often when orca are in a bay, that a lot of the rays will get scared into the shallows. So I saw some footage yesterday from Auckland. There's like 20 eagle rays in water this deep. Somebody's standing amongst them videoing them. Pretty cool. Uh, you know, another episode, this is about... Um, th these episodes of kids. So they're family-friendly. Um, and it's just about making cool stories about animals, just about engaging kids about a world that most of them would never experience and never given um, any thoughts about. Riley's amazing. Um, just as I said, I took her up to the Kermitic Islands, and one of the amazing things about the Kermitic Islands is one of the most pristine, um, National Geographic calls it one of the most pristine marine environments on the planet. And one of the things that identifies a healthy ecosystem is the amount of sharks it has. So as a dad taking Riley up to the Kermitic Islands, I've been up there a couple of times beforehand, and uh, it's very common to be swimming along and have bubbles behind you, and all of a sudden you turn around, there's a shark following you. And, and I wasn't nervous about taking my 13-year-old daughter there. What I was probably more nervous about was how many sharks she was going to see when she entered the water and how she was going to respond. You know, she'd swum with a shark before. And um, I just want to show you just her first few seconds in the water at the Kermitic Islands. I, I do love my daughter. <laughs> I promise. She's pretty cool, eh? Yeah, so the, her first few moments in there, she was pretty nervous. She was holding my hand. And uh, fair enough too, I would have been at that age. And then she got her confidence up and started diving down. You know, she didn't know this at the time, but I've got footage of her diving down. Uh, actually, my friend filmed it. She's diving down and she can't snorkel that well. And she swam up really fast. Like, whoo, and sharks get a little bit excited about fast movement. And the shark was just swimming along and all of a sudden it's like, whoo, straight up behind her and I swam down. <laughs> so like, it wasn't going to do anything, but it was, uh, you know, she would have freaked out a little bit if she saw that. But um, the thing I love about this story and how it came about was we've been surrounded by the ocean all our life. We live on the coast. We've got a beautiful um, view of the coast. We see orcas swimming past our house sometimes. We're really fortunate. Um, and Riley has been quiet about the ocean as far as I, I didn't know that she had some passion inside there. And, and when she was 12, I come home from filming one day and she goes, Dad, I need to do a project for school and I want to do it about turtles and plastic. I was like, 
far out. And I was like, this is pretty cool, you know. I was like, as a dad, you want to encourage your kids and stuff that you're into as well, because this could be mutually beneficial, you know. And um, little did she know that I'd been filming that day on one of the beautiful offshore islands um, on the east coast of, um, of Coromandel. And I was swimming along in this beautiful bay, and there'd been a storm earlier, you know, a week or so earlier, and there was um, seaweed that had been smashed off the rocks, and there was a line of it on the surface. And as a cameraman, I'm thinking, man, there's going to be some little critters up there. So I'm, I'm going along with my camera trying to find little critters, and all of a sudden it's like, plastic, plastic, plastic. And the first time in my life, it's like, far out, I'm going to film this, you know, and I just... It's the most beautiful footage of plastic out there. It's awesome. Yeah, this beautiful sheer cliffs up above and, you know, just filming this plastic. And then I got home and Riley goes, I want to do this project on turtles and plastic. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It's like, I just shot this footage. It's just awesome. And so we put together this footage. Um, the idea of the project that she needed to show a video to her 10-year-old brother's class. So we cut together a seven and a half minute video. She interviewed, she wanted to interview my friend who's doing his PhD on turtles. Dan Goodoy. Um, it was her initiative. She got him up. I filmed it. And she interviewed him and asked questions that kids would want to know about turtles and plastic. And I had very low expectations about this video. I whacked it together really fast. I stuffed up the sound. And, and um, I, I went and watched Riley when she did her presentation and played this video. I was absolutely blown away. As soon as that video started playing, these little kids' eyes just went, you know, just wide-eyed and just sat there through what was probably a little bit long, the way I'd done it, and just totally quiet. And at the end of it, Riley got up and totally owned the class, and she goes, now what I want you to do is I want you all to sit in a circle, and I want you to share one unique thing that you learnt about this, you know, about, um, from the video. And I'm, I'm remembering what I was like at school. Well, I, I was actually really noisy at school, but the other kids, it would have been a dead duck. You know, It would have died really quick. You know, but every single kid in that group shared something that they thought was unique. And I just had this light bulb moment go off in my head. It's like this idea for a TV show that I've been looking at for a while. I was like, the best ideas have been sitting underneath my roof, you know. I was thinking about it for a couple of weeks. Didn't talk to Riley about it at all. And then after two weeks of thinking about it, I said to her, this is my daughter that's quiet about the ocean, right? Um, I said, Smiles, would you be keen on interviewing any other experts? And her eyes lit up and she goes, yeah. And I said, what would you do? And she goes, oh, I'd do Maui's dolphins, I'd do orca, I'd do stingrays. I was like, this has been sitting underneath my roof all along. I didn't even realise it, you know. And it's just so powerful. So that just set the ball in motion. So I contacted our most popular kids show and said, hey, I'll make you 10 episodes. Um, they got it for free. They were stoked. Um, and it was really, really cool. It's been a great opportunity. Um, there's something about turtles that I think it's just one of those animals in the ocean that most of us can connect with really easy. I don't know what it is. They just seem kind of friendly, even though you wouldn't want to put your finger in front of their mouths. But you, know, you guys see a lot more of them um, than what we do. We actually get turtles you know, in the temperate waters in New Zealand as well. But just uh, this, this picture here, and this is something that kids get. This is the plastic that come out of one turtle. In New Zealand, you know, we've had five of the seven turtle species, you know, found. They're not common by any means. But, um, you know, during big storms, they'll get washed up on our beaches. Some of them will die, and they'll do necropsies on them. Every single one of them is full of plastic. And it's, it's interesting, this generation of kids, they're hardwired about the environment. You know, they're brought up on it, and they want to make a difference. 
And just us doing our story about turtles and plastic has really surprised me, some of the responses that we've had. Um, we created a book from our first series, our first 10 videos. We created a book and we, um, I did a Kickstarter campaign and we had a very generous foundation that gave us about $80,000 towards it. And we gave a free copy to every school in New Zealand and the Cook Islands. There's 2,560 schools. The heart behind that was I just saw the difference when we started speaking at, at school assemblies. And, you know, over the last um, two years, we've spoken to well over 20,000 people, myself and Riley, together in, in different schools and, you know, had the opportunity to do a TEDx and to do some other big events with 2,500 kids. This is my daughter, man. I'm standing next to her. It's going, this is insane. And she just nails it. She's amazing. And just the response we've had from kids is we've had a, a school in Auckland that um, when we did our, our proper episode on turtles and plastic, um, we released a turtle at the Pornite Islands, beautiful islands, just magnificent underwater, just absolutely stunning. And there'd been a storm there about a week before as well, and we found this seaweed on the surface again. And I thought, mate, this is money. I, I know we're going to find plastic at some of the most beautiful islands in New Zealand. And we, sure enough, you know, we found a one-minute noodle packet and a few other things. And we got back to the boat. And we interview, you know, one of the gurus, my friend Dan Goodoy, we have these gurus that are part of our episode, you know, and, and Riley asked them questions. And Dan Goodoy said, wouldn't it be amazing if every Kiwi picked up one piece of plastic each? He goes, that would be like four million pieces a day, you know? And it was just a throwaway line in a five-minute episode, but it's just amazing how many kids in schools that have picked up on this. We've got a school that started up a campaign that it's like one plus a day. It's really catchy. We're stealing it, man. It's awesome. It's just, you know, there's going to be a national campaign around us. It's not just us that's doing it. This is another one. It's a really big national campaign that's going to happen. And they want to export it to other schools, you know. And, and something that happened to, in our family, it's just, uh, is that little cheeky seven-year-old that you saw, this is him when he's four in the middle here with a cheeky grin. And... Um, Something happened after the, he saw Riley's school project, and um, this really surprised me. You know, the, the next time we went down to our local skateboard park, after he had seen this um, Riley interviewing this guy about turtles and plastic, we got there, and as a dad, I wanted to see him going backwards and forwards on the ramp with his scooter, you know, it's like, it was a bit of a family time, and he stopped as we got there, and he goes, Mum, Dad, look, and it's like, what? He goes, look at all the plastic, we have to pick it up, it's like, you know, I, you know, can you relate to me? I'm not that guy. Okay, I don't like pick, picking up other people's rubbish. And he literally is a big, is a, probably a bigger area than this. And we had to pick up, well, it's probably about the same area as this, actually. We had to pick up every single piece of plastic, and there was a lot. We went back a week later, and I've got a short memory, and I just thought we're going to go and do skateboarding. And the same thing again. Mum, Dad, we have to pick up all the plastic. We're like, look, we've created a monster. You know? it's like, so we had to pick it all up. Then, you know, just a little bit after that, I'm driving along in the car and I'm sitting at the lights and he looks out the window and goes, Dad, look at the plastic. Got to go pick it up. It's like, when he says, you, we've got to pick it up, he means you've got to go pick it up, you know. And so this guy that hates picking up other stuff, you know, all of a sudden I'm out there doing that and then I'd find when I was doing romantic walks down the beach with Joe holding hands, it's like meant to be chatting about life and the kids and having a good time. And all of a sudden something would catch a corner of my eyes like, just wait a sec, honey, I've just got to do something. 
It's like, <laughs> you know, and it, it got to the stage that we're going down to the beach with bags to pick up the rubbish, you know. And I, I, the thing I love about this is like they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but it's like I've got a four-year-old in my house that started changing the way that I started behaving. And it, it wasn't something that I, even though I knew plastic was a major issue in the, in the ocean, like I talking to one of our dock officers, she had a whale wash up, died, and they pulled a piece of plastic that was about 15 metres out of it, you know. Um, just insane. And it's just affecting, um, from juvenile fish, the, there's research that shows that juvenile fish get a high they get more of a buzz about eating tiny little pieces of microplastic than what they do eating proper food. You know, this is at the, near the beginning of the food chain. It's a, it's a very, very significant issue. And it's just the thing about the ocean is it truly is out of sight, out of mind. You know, that you turn up at your beautiful beaches here, which unfortunately I didn't really plan it out very well that I get to spend a day out there. Um, but you sit on the beach and all feels well with life. You know, you can have the most stressful week and you go out and all the worries of the world are gone when you get the wind blowing in your hair, you go catch a wave or whatever. You know, but just the awareness of what is actually going on underneath the surface and how connected everything is. You know, the, the interesting thing for me is, you know, um, I said to my friends when I first started going along on this track, it's like, mate, if I ever become a tree hugger, please slap me in the face a few times, you know? It's kind of like... Um, but it's like my heart's actually getting turned towards nature and thinking... Um, I, I just remember something happened. I was telling Kirk the story earlier that... Um, you know, sometimes when you, when you read pieces of Scripture many times, it becomes so familiar that it's kind of like water off a duck's back. It's like... You don't even kind of read the whole thing because you know it so well. And I was reading Genesis 1. And I was just reading it with some different eyes, you know. I experienced this thing about, you know, feeling the pleasure of God filming. And, and um, for me, I'm a relatively creative person. I come from a construction background. That's what I gave up. I, you know, building houses and I had a few guys working for me. And, and one of the things I loved about construction was at the end of the day, sometimes you'll look and go, mate, that's awesome, you know? I used to love building decks around a house, and I say to um, other people that are builders, like, mate, put extra effort into that deck, so you're probably going to get more thanks out of that than anything else that you do in a house, because if you do it a great job, they spend a lot of time on decks, and it's really satisfying when you just see all the miters looking beautiful and all the nails lined up, and I get really satisfied about that kind of stuff. And when I started reading Genesis 1 with a new set of eyes, we hear about the creation story, how God made stuff. And at the end of it, he goes, and it was good. And sometimes, for me, I've read that so many times, it's kind of like, oh, it's good. Well, yeah, whatever, you know. And I started reading it with the perspective of the satisfaction I get when I do something cool or when I shoot a beautiful piece of footage or whatever, and it's like, I get really stoked. And I could, I could picture the pleasure of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, devising this magnificent creation, and they're high-fiving each other, going, woohoo, yeah, it's good, you know, it's like better than good. Like, quite often when you read it, it's like, and it's good, you know, it's like, wait, it's awesome, you know. And um, so I could picture the Father 
doing that. And then I, then I read just after he's created everything and just about, you know, he creates um, people. And he says, let us make humans in our image, in our likeness. This is how I interpret it, that they can have the ability to look after the stuff that I'm stoked about. You know, it's the very first thing that he said to humans. It's like, this is the stuff that we love, that we're stoked that we're made. This is amazing, you know. It took a lot of creative thought and energy to make this. And it's like, for people to look after this, they need to be made in my likeness. They need to be made in my image. And I want them to look after what I love. I remember something that happened when, near when I first became a Christian in, in the 80s. I, I used to go to a church called Teaju Bible Chapel. My dad was a pastor there. And about once every couple of months, they would have an open night on a Sunday night that anybody could ask any question. Pretty secure leadership that can handle that. You know, pretty cool. And, you know, we were really into social justice, caring for the poor, seeing lots of people getting saved, amazing stuff, working with gang members and all that kind of stuff. And I remember one of, um, the guy that took me snorkeling for the first time when I saw that beautiful blue water and the kelp and the fish, and he spoke up and he goes, and what about the whales? You know, what does God think about the whales? And like you could almost hear a pin drop. <laughs> it's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, no one said it because it was like it was a very safe place, but you could feel the vibe in the room. I was like, no, stop being so unspiritual, mate. You know, kind of thing. And that little sentence that he said, I didn't dwell on it lots, but it stuck with me ever since. And I was like, I reckon that guy's really onto it. He's kind of ahead of his time. <laughs> I was like, well, I think, you know, Christians should be you know, kind of at the forefront of this stuff, you know. There's something I'm excited about Young Ocean Explorers that has opened up this opportunity in New Zealand and and we've had opportunities giving stories overseas as well. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced, you know, the thing, we've intentionally positioned ourselves in such a way that we're not Christians out there doing it. It's just me and Riley going out there. We love doing this stuff together. Um, and, you know, I just want to inspire a generation of kids that what we have underneath the water, I just think it's truly New Zealand's most magnificent story that Kiwis don't even know about it yet, let alone the world. I think we've got a very big trick up our, up our sleeve that we can use to market to the world, you know, but even more than that, you know, I believe so sincerely that if you can get the hearts and minds of a younger generation, that in a very short period of time that you can change the way that a nation thinks and behaves, you know, and treats something. And that's something that's stirring me away, you know, stirring inside of me. So, um, yeah. Hey, if you're interested, we're on Facebook and Instagram and I don't understand Snapchat because things disappear straight away. Who would do that? Um, have I got enough time to show you one short episode? Okay. And that, that will be me and Kirk if you want to ask any things. Um, my daughter's definitely the star of the show. I know my place in life. Here she is. It, this is truly my most exciting adventure I've been on. You know, like for me, swimming with big animals, 
That's beyond my wildest dreams when I was a little kid. Well beyond my wildest dreams. You know, but what I'm doing with Riley, you know, it's just, it's doing that with my daughter, like I've said it to her a few times, and she knows it. It's like, mate, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what's going to happen with it. But, man, we've got this amazing record of me and you doing some cool stuff together, eh? And it's like, (laughs) it's like, it's really cool. Hey, just when I was um, thinking about you guys... um, at some ridiculous hour in the morning, um, <laughs> I wake up at one o'clock in the morning. Um, I was just thinking about Joshua one, and it's like this journey that I'm on has truly been the toughest journey in my life. It's been tough, man. Like going into something I've had no skills in. We ended up we we lost all our money in the economic crunch with a really foolish investment, and you know, crazy when you're starting off and trying to chase your dream, and then you lose all your money and stuff like that, and and it's, it's just been really tough. Like, if I'd known how tough it was going to be, I never would have started, you know? But I just look at it and I think, man, God's been faithful all along. I don't know where this is going to end up. I don't know how long it's going. You know, I don't, you know, we work really hard. We try really hard and, and everything else. But God opens up the doors and he's opened up some really cool ones. Um, and sometimes... I've been absolutely terrified, you know, and I was just reminded of this scripture in Joshua 1 that's, for me, has been a very influential um, scripture to me. And just talking about, um, you know, the call to um, Joshua and Caleb. And down in um, 1 7, it's like, be strong and very courageous. You know, be careful to obey all the law my, service, um, my servant Moses gave you and, and do not turn from it to the, to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And it's like, man, I need to remind myself of that, and I want to remind you of that. That I, when I think of someone like David in the Bible, this, this young boy that would look after sheep, he developed this relationship with God that God started him off on small stuff. You know, that something would t- take the sheep, and he learned to trust in God, and, you know, that he got an ability that he could, you know, he killed a lion, he killed a bear, he killed you know, different animals trying to take out these things. And he had such a strong faith in God beyond an army of grown males, this young boy. Grown males absolutely terrified, but yet he was, his heart was so captivated by God and he drew so much of his strength that he had this courage, this deep inner knowing that it's like, mate, if my God is with me, who can be against me? So I just want to encourage you tonight, you know, hopefully that speaks to someone here. It's like, do not back away because of fear if God's asked you to do something. You know, just call in tighter and on him, you know, and it doesn't mean all's going to go well. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bed of roses. It's like life is tough at times, you know, but just dig in, you know. I just think God wants to fulfill some stuff through you guys here. And um, it's going to take courage to do it. So, what do you want to do, mate? I've talked for a long time, so you probably don't want to do any Q and A with me.
Mm. This is some really precious things that I want from you. And, um, you want this? Um, well, I'll be really quick. I'll try to be really quick, man. Um, you know, I was a, I'm a kid of the 70s, and um, growing up in the 70s, the environment was just something that was never... It was just never on the radar of social conversation or anything. It was just never there. And in fact, the only conversation that was there, you, you know, you mentioned it as like, don't let me ever become like a, like a tree hugger. You know, it was always the conversation about the environment was always a very um, socially sort of extreme conversation to have. But, you know, culture has shifted immensely now and it's become very much centre and a part of the everyday conversation. And I just want to say thanks, mate, because you you have just modelled to me something very, very refreshing about the heart of God and um, and into a conversation that I've always struggled with. And I just want to say thank you that you have brought this this part of God's good idea alive to me in a way that is inviting and um, and just... Authentic is the other word that I sort of want to say to that. So I just want to say thanks, firstly, Steve, for leading me into the heart of God for a part of his creation. So just, you know, like you said, never never see it. You never, it's out of mind, out of sight sort of thing, out of mind. Um, something else I was really struck with as I was listening to you was that um, your story is like there's, there was something of, of God that was in your father about creation and the coast and it came alive in you and and now it's alive in your your daughter you know there's this generational gain and and it's like the effect of it seems to be broadening and widening and the audience is you know becoming affected more and um i just think of the heart of god through that you know that that in the generations, that was the other thing I was hearing in your story, was that, that there's this incredible investment that God puts in our forebears and he hopes that it would be come, people would come alive to that into the generations. You know, like, that's what he's on about with Abraham, you know, that you'd be a blessing through the generations to the whole world. And, um, and I see that and I think of just the expansive reality of God's commitment to that that started with something that was in your father and then you got a pair of flippers when you're a young fella and now here's your daughter like on the world stage as it were through media impacting impacting people I just think it's really good to perhaps think about what our forebears have actually invested in us that maybe we know or don't quite know the other thing I really loved about your story is um just reconciling that the pleasure of God in our life that sometimes we've got these amazing things that God wants us to take great delight in and sometimes we we feel like oh am I allowed to feel that good about something like this that's not you God but it's some it's of God but it's it's not him and you know I've got a mate he um he loves cars and he's always struggled with year for years about just being okay with this great sense of pleasure he has about building these wonderful and restoring these cars and um, he's always wrestled with that tension of that and so I think your story invites us to actually discover that God actually really wants us to have a life of joy in the things that he's given us great pleasure for because he takes delight in them as well and um, 
So, um, and the other thing is, I just, I'm also reminded of just as I'm watching your daughter do her thing there on the TV, on the TV screen, and I'm just like, you know, God invites us, you know, when Jesus said, you've got to let the kids come, you've got to let the children come to me, because the kingdom belongs to them. And I'm just reminded how, you know, the big people couldn't see the king that was in front of them because of all their stuff, but the children could, and... Um, and it was through the kids that that the previous generation was re-challenged again about the things of God. And so I think, you know, I'm hearing all that tonight, picking those things up. And I'm just going, wow, that's a full, like, load, <laughs> but really good. And so I want to say thanks, mate. Thanks for that. Hey, um, I also felt like maybe there were some people that we might want to respond a little bit to what you said there at the end there in that scripture in Joshua. And... Um, about being strong and courageous and and trusting the Lord with where he's inviting you to journey into some of the things that maybe, you know, others have tried to knock you down about or think is off the loop or off the, you know, off the preservation or whatever. But God's calling you and he's put these interests in you and he's put these loves in you that we come alive to. And it's actually God showing us something of who he is and the delight that he's um, given us to join him in the joy that he has around us. So um, I don't know, I thought maybe there were some people that were, I felt like the spirit was starting to move actually as you opened the scriptures to us. Am I, I don't know if anyone else is feeling that in the room, but um, I just thought, would you just maybe pray over us and just ask the spirit just to come and um, re- but before you do that though, was there any, I just want to maybe, if, was there any questions that anyone had of Steve or, or, or sort of, before we pray, I just thought if there was any other people that might want to ask something. But uh, yep. You know, is wild animals. I, you know, um, I my opinion is some of them have different personalities, and also different species can act differently as well. So it was a different species array to ours. I've I've seen one ray get aggressive towards some somebody. You know, I, was, I took at a friend trying to show him how to catch crayfish, and I saw a huge big ray on the bottom, and I pointed down, like. I didn't say it, but I was kind of like, look at that big ray down there. And he thought I meant go down and have a look underneath that hole for a crayfish. So he dived down <laughs> and he saw me down trying to look underneath this hole and this thing's trying to sting him. And I'm laughing so much, my mask is filling up with water. And um, But this thing followed us around for the whole time. I actually felt really pr- pretty uneasy about it after that. I was like, mate, this thing's just following us around the whole time. But um, yeah, it's, you know, you do enter on... You guys have, you know, had a few shark attacks over here in the last few years. You know, is, um, you know, I, what I say to people about that is, you know, Australia is a nation of water babies. You know, you've probably got a number of billion unique swims that happen in Australian waters every year. You know, there's probably people that get in the water two or three times a day every day of their life. So, you know, there's a lot of people going in the water here, but there's probably a few areas I wouldn't go surfing as well. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I, th- I think the ocean's a really safe place, you know. But you do need to be wise, you know. It's like there are I wouldn't go surfing near a seal colony in Australia. Yeah. 
personally. <laughs> you got a lot of great whites. <laughs> we got a lot as well, but they don't seem to do anything to people in New Zealand. They did kill someone probably about you know four years ago, but you know we've only had like nine deaths I think in New Zealand's history. So it's kind of like it, it's amazing even with this young generation of kids that you only need to say two musical notes and they know exactly what you're talking about. It's like dun dun. Isn't it amazing? Two musical notes. Is there any other song in the world that has so much impact? You know, and, but it's just amazing. You know, I, I love, and it comes to fear as well. Like one of the stories I love, um, I, I know the impact that Jaws had on me is that I was probably only seven or eight at the time and I was scared to go swimming in the pool by myself at night. I thought I was going to get eaten by one, you know. I had a girl in my class, literally, that was scared to go to the toilet because she thought her bottom was going to get bitten. Um, school kids love that one. No, primary kids love that story. I bring that one out regularly. But um, it's amazing what can happen with our minds. And, you know, one of our stories with Riley is um, our first ever episode was going to be about kelp. And I was thinking about this creative way that I wanted her lying on her back in the water in her wetsuit and have cap all over here and doing her first lines. I just thought I'd be killer, you know. And I told her about this idea a week out and I said, Smiles, I want you doing this. And she goes, there's no way I'm going to do that. It's like, why not? She goes, I'm scared of crabs, you know. And it's like, and she's a pretty strong word girl. Um, but the week afterwards, she did it. And the thing I love about that story is that one week she's absolutely terrified and then when we're filming this, um, this episode in Kelp, we're in this stuff that I think a lot of adults would be scared. You know, I was getting it tangled around my snorkel. And when we're swimming through it, all of a sudden she's going, Dad, check that out. And it's like, Dad, check that out. And all of a sudden her fear had disappeared. You know, and it's something I love telling kids. That it's like, you know what, it's one thing to be faced by fear. That doesn't mean it has to stop us. You know, it's kind of like, look at the opportunities that Riley's had because she stepped through her fear. You know, look at the opportunities I've had that I've stepped through my fear. It's still, we need to use wisdom. You know, we you know, keep away from sealed colonies maybe, <laughs> a few things like that. But anyway, hey. Yeah, no, everybody's going to be scared to ask a question now with such a long answer. <laughs> I'm keen to pray for some people. Yeah, anyway, if yeah. Yeah, let's just do that for, for a few minutes and um, maybe if you just pray over Stephen and... If